welcome to This Much Love, a recurring positivity podcast with Katie Hart and Keenan Schneider. Episode 3, How to Relate Human Beep Boop. This is the show? Is this the show? Is this the show? I think this is the show. We just steal all of our material from from other shows. Yes. I mean, that's what the great artists do, right? Like they draw inspiration from other people and kind of interpret those things and like do them over and over and over again until they have their own nuance and twist on differing perspectives and artistic takes. That's the thing, right? That's legit. So good artists borrow from Merlin Mann and great artists become Merlin Mann. Um, no, I don't know if I want to become <laughs> Merlin Mann. I think I would want to become the most genuine version of myself, but I think I can make informed decisions about how I view the world through the lens of Merlin Mann. Mm. Right? So This is getting very philosophical. <laughs> I just yes. want to become Merlin Mann. Uh, who that's doesn't? I mean, you just said you don't. That's true. <laughs> I I mean, okay, so be, but that's just based on like my own like understanding of how he views himself and the world that he occupies, um, that he seems to deal with some pretty crippling anxiety. Mm. Um, And I am a person who, the way that anxiety manifests itself in me is usually like more fire and fuel than it is like I would say that there's like there's fight or flight responses, right? When you're like highly adrenalized and and all that good stuff, and I tend to fight rather than flee, so it doesn't um, paralyze me. Mm. Um, it was really interesting. I was actually talking about this with my with one of my new therapist candidates. That's a story for another time. <laughs> um, but that like that's something that I think I notice as a difference between you and me is that when you are in moments of high anxiety you tend to freeze up or feel crippled um, and like you cannot articulate what you need and you just need to get out of that situation as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. And for me, when I feel anxious, like I've fucked something up or that's usually what causes anxiety for me is when I think I've made a mistake. (laughs) Um. I panic, certainly, but like I, I will do anything to resolve this issue right now. I'll do anything to fix it. Um, so I tend to like roll up my sleeves and dig in and I won't let go until it's resolved. Yeah. And so for me, it's interesting how stress and anxiety can be kind of addictive more than repelling because like it fuels me to move and like get it done, get it done, get it done. Like, and I exhaust myself, but it's, tends to help well <laughs> i don't know if this is necessarily true or if this is some twisted version of of the truth that i feed myself it makes me feel like i it helps me produce some of my best work i don't know if i'm necessarily as socially adept as i would be otherwise when i'm feeling anxious like i tend to be that tends to be the skill that leaves me is being like nuanced and calm and collected um but like i'll i'll get it done yeah. it's just like i might need you to leave me alone and I will fix it now. It's funny that you say that because I feel like I 
tend to do very similar things when it comes to work where yeah. I will deliberately put myself in, uh, myself in uh, situations where I need to be or where, where I stress myself out. Mm. Uh, and that's also where I do my best work, like procrastinating. Yeah. Or, yeah, like basically just leaving something off until the last possible second. Like, like I'm a hardcore procra- procrastinator. Mm. But that even back when I was a kid going through school, that's how I do all my homework and all my papers and all that stuff. And it was one of those things that like I would always push myself up just to right before the deadline, mm-hmm. knock the thing out in a night and then it would be good yeah. so it's funny but other anxiety i'm just kind of like run away yeah definitely i um yeah i very rarely feel like i have permission to give into the runaway feeling mm. like that's something that i can't give myself permission to do hmm. this is a really interesting way to start this episode <laughs> Yeah, I I think it's um, one of the things that I appreciate about the two of the relationship that I have with you is I feel like I have uh, a friend and a partner that I deeply understand, despite some of our very stark differences. And one of the things that ended up connecting us early on was kind of our mutual interest in Myers-Briggs. Yeah. And I think that is something um, that I find that you tend to gravitate toward, Myers-Briggs in general. Mm -hmm. And so, like, thinking about how we process information differently, how we engage with different stimulus differently, how we socialize differently. My question for you is, how much do you love those kinds of personality assessments, namely Myers-Briggs, and why? Hmm. So that's a really interesting question. I'd have to say that I I tend to gravitate towards them. This is where we're getting into the show where I'm just kind of like, do I say that I just love them? Like, mm-hmm. is love the right word in this case? I think, uh, but I think there's a there's a reason why I tend to focus on them so much. And I think the the big thing for me is that I I do really appreciate them. Mm-hmm. They give me a perspective on how I process information and how I kind of like take in the world and respond to different things that for a very long time I didn't understand about myself. I just felt like I was different and weird and had a very difficult time like understanding what was going on in my own head and feeling like I couldn't interact with others like a normal person. Like I'd see other people that just kind of like made friends and knew what to say in small talk and like had uh, had things to talk about where they felt like even if they didn't have things in common, they could kind of relate to sure. people. And for me, it was really difficult figuring out why I was so different. I always felt like I was really alone and very removed that there was this aspect to me that made me very different and like feeling like an alien basically Mm. and i think as a kid i always wanted to know more about like why this happened and so my first introduction to myers-briggs was back in like middle school or high school or something like that 
where I think I tested as like an INTP or something. And at the time, I think it was because like I was trying to like answer those questions that they present to you in the most like idealized version of myself, like the the thoughts or the sort of qualities that I that I thought were like positive or good or Desirable, whatever. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. that that that's how I how I feel like I would answer it. Like I wasn't really truly being honest with myself. And it wasn't until years later, like as an adult, like probably, you know, six years ago or something like that, where I realized that one, I hadn't really paid attention to it in a while. And I was inspired by my manager uh, to look back into it. And when I tested again and tested as an INFJ, and read back on that sort of the personality profile and and all that like there was so much there that resonated in such a big way that made me realize like oh there's a reason why like this didn't take in high school or middle school or whenever it was and it's because it like it wasn't an honest reflection of who i was sure but reading more about INFJ is it like started to make so much sense. There was so much that clicked. There was a lot of there was a lot there that explained how I process information that just rang true. There was just so much that it felt like it was kind of staring into my soul at that point hmm. and being able to like I, reading on on paper or on a screen how my brain functioned and going like, oh, shit, that's so true. Like, that's so accurate. Definitely. So before we get too deep into kind of the specifics of your journey with Myers-Briggs and your personality type, I do want to, for anyone who may not be familiar with Myers-Briggs, just give a quick summary of what it is um, and what these letters stand for. Yeah, it's so it's I'll, I'll do my best. And part of this is me reading off of a screen, but it's a, a personality test that asks you a, a bunch of different questions regarding how you tend to interact with people, how you process information, how you like to recharge your uh, your energy, things like that. And it ends up spitting out a four-letter combination. Um, and there are 16 different personality types in the Myers-Briggs world. Um, in my case, I'm an INFJ. And so you go either I or E for introversion or extroversion. There's the second letters are S or N, which is either sensing or intuition. Uh, Then the third is T or F, which is thinking or feeling. And then the last are either J or P, which is judging or perceiving. And these different letter combinations give you some sort of idea how you tend to process information and and interact with people like I've already said but it's it's one of those things that can give you some sort of indication as to like how you're going to approach different circumstances in your life approach and respond I think right yeah and so I think where people tend to fall into a trap with Myers-Briggs is putting too much weight on the type and like trying to pigeonhole yourself into that in every single situation Mm. i think it's it's really common for people especially like depending on the personality type it's really common for people to like subscribe to that mentality and just put their 
like all of their chips in there and say like, oh, I can't do this because I'm this personality type or this is why like if you have like shitty toxic behaviors and, you know, people call you out on that, they're just going to be like, oh, well, I'm just, you know, and I am whatever. Mm-hmm. That's just how it is. And I, I think that any personality assessment, whether it's Myers-Briggs or DISC or whatever, if you only like if you just kind of like take this myopic view and and try to like only frame yourself in there, you run into trouble. Right. What it's not I, nuanced enough to explain everything. Exactly. It, and there's only 16 there's only 16 types in the case of Myers-Briggs mm-hmm. and there are 7 billion people. And so I think we need to account for these gradients. Like sure. There's there's shades to everybody. Absolutely. And so I think for me, like Myers-Briggs becomes a really interesting thing. Not saying like, oh, I'm an INFJ, so I have to do this, but really like, okay, like why or like how might I respond to this or why am I feeling this way or or processing information in this way mm-hmm. and framing it through sort of like those typical INFJ qualities. Sure. But I never fall like I don't I don't say like I I don't feel like I can't show qualities of other types because mm-hmm. everybody kind of does everybody like is their own unique person and does their own uh like approaches situations in their own way um so it's like that's where i find it most useful and helpful i really enjoy reading up on this stuff and like reading about like you know uh different situations or uh, analyses of how an infj might approach something so i look mm-hmm. at somebody like frank james frank james is a podcaster and youtube personality who's an INFJ and spends a lot of time thinking about Myers-Briggs or the shortened version MBTI and checks in with himself, analyzes that and kind of articulates these common sort of scenarios or loops that INFJs tend to get into. And I love hearing about stuff like that. I think it's really fascinating, especially from an INFJ perspective, to hear somebody who has put in that time of uh, that type of thought and care mm-hmm. and explaining uh how they see it from the infj perspective and that's that's always something that provides a lot of clarity and in and uh insight for me that i just kind of eat up i find that to be really fun and really interesting and it makes me it makes me feel a lot better about myself because for the longest time like i said like i felt like i was very isolated that i was sort of i i grew up being the sort of social pariah um, I didn't have a lot of friends. I found it really difficult to like make friends and hold on to them. And mm-hmm. the few friends that I did have, I was really close with. Like we had formed these really close bonds. And once I realized that that was kind of like a typical quality, it made me feel less weird. It made me feel less alone, and mm-hmm. that I had, um, I had a group of people or a community that understood. And that was one of those things, like. Even struggling with something like anxiety or depression or something like that, it's so easy to fall into this loop of nobody understands how I'm feeling. I am like nobody gets me like it's just this sort of like way to talk yourself into feeling bad and misunderstood Mm -hmm. and alone and hopeless. (laughs) Exactly. But when somebody comes and says like I've struggled with this too that sort of camaraderie becomes really helpful definitely at times definitely. it doesn't always help right in the minute the moment when you're especially when you're at your lowest points but even just having somebody reach out and say like 
I understand what you're going through or I've been through something similar or anything mm -hmm. like that uh, is really nice. And I know that resonates with other people because I've had people in the past reach out to me because of my writing on the subject of anxiety and depression. Um, even recently had people reach out years after I wrote that to say like how much it means to them. And so that that's something I know helps. Definitely. I think that sense of belonging or that sense of someone understands me in a way that I didn't think was possible before or somebody resonates with me. That can do so much for your sense of self. It's interesting to me that Myers-Briggs helped you feel more comfortable in your own skin. Yeah. Being genuinely who you are. And it highlights, I think, that level of alienation that, like, you know, I think, frankly, everybody who's an adolescent feels, but maybe more so with someone who doesn't naturally possess or feel drawn towards those, like, stereotypical social skills um, or ways of processing, conveying thoughts and feelings. Um, that seems isolating to me. And so to be able to have this community of people or this vocabulary that it gives you to relate to yourself and express yourself to others. For me, I am not an INFJ. I'm an ISFJ. Uh, and that difference is like very present yeah. between us and how we receive information. Yep. It's really funny to me I think like if somebody, especially somebody who's new to mm -hmm. Myers Briggs, can say like, "Oh, what's the big a big difference between one letter?" Because mm -hmm. we're s very similar in a lot of ways, but there that one switch from N to S it's is big. yeah, it 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 changes everything when it comes to like how we like process information. Mm -hmm. So to kind of give examples, I'm a very detail oriented, present person. And you tend to be a very big picture, future-oriented person. It's hard for me to see the big picture. I am a planner, and mm -hmm. you are an experiencer. Yeah. <laughs> so there are some key differences there. But as I think the interesting thing for me, and, and I'm, I'm interested to hear if this resonates with you at all, being an ISFJ or having that understanding and really like taking like these personality assessments. Um, there's a great free one that I can link to in the show notes called 16personalities.com. Um, if you're really honest in your assessment of yourself, I think it can give you some insight into not only like being like, oh, yeah, that is me, but also being able to um, see how maybe your experience is not the the experience of human beings, which hopefully as an adult you've already figured out, but it can help you see these differences amongst your community um, and in your close friends. Myers-Briggs is something that helps me understand other people. Yeah. It helps me break down, okay, this is how I would want to receive this information. This is the thing that I find important about this situation. However, Someone else may see something completely differently. Someone else may have other priorities. This helps me figure out how to communicate with someone else better mm -hmm. so that my planning detail-oriented, like, driven experience, I'm not, like, overwhelming someone or harming them or pushing them away because of my 
priorities and prerogatives. Yeah. But that I can balance that, the weight of that, the importance of that, because I don't want to say that one person is more important than another in any given relationship. Um, but that I can figure out how to say like, oh, how can I convey this to someone in a way that will help them understand? Yeah. Do you find that as an INFJ, which is a rarer personality type, the rarest? I think it's the rarest. I'm pretty sure it is. Do you find that the experience of feeling a sense of belonging is as more or less important than the ability to then understand how others function? No, I think it's interesting that you bring that up because as you're describing that, I see that a lot in you where when we talk about Myers-Briggs or even like like when that subject comes up, it seems like you're far more focused a lot of the time on reading up on INFJs. Mm-hmm. And I am definitely more focused on reading up on INFJs. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I I think it's it is an interesting thing where I'm like, I'm using this to better understand myself and not others. Mm-hmm. Where you seem to be the the opposite there. Yeah. Um, where you're not as self-focused. And this could very well be just a a personality difference. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm sure there are ISFJs who are more focused on themselves. I'm sure there are INFJs who are more focused on others. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that's, I think I don't, so this is a situation where I feel like some people would be like, oh, well, that's such an ISFJ. Like, it's probably like the just personality disparity. Like, Mm -hmm. there's, there's going to be aspects there. So, yeah, I, I think I focus so much on, what's going on with me because I don't I like I frequently don't have a good analysis like mm-hmm. I don't fre- like I don't feel like I, I frequently understand what's going on in my head and that I'm constantly trying to parse through that and so I want to make sure that I'm like that I like fully understand myself mm-hmm. because how I relate to others and talk with them tends to come through intuition. A lot of how I interpret people and uh, connect with people, I first off, like hate small talk and like going to parties and and trying to just like talk with somebody who I don't really like feel a connection with. But like when I feel a connection with somebody, it's just based on intuition and I don't really feel the need to like understand their personality type better. Mm. That doesn't really help me what helps me is listening to them and being able to like hear what they're saying and get like almost like this mental readout of who they are and and what they're all about and i think that is more of a quintessential infj thing definitely um and it makes sense that you would go seeking out information to process because that's not going to be your strong suit like it is for me mm-hmm. so yeah i I think it is interesting that you you bring that up because it is so often that you are, I think probably because we're in this relationship together, um, you want to know better about like what's going on in your head, in my head. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'm, I'm the same way. Right. And I think that for like the the experience of like under like I'm I I love all kinds of like personality assessments. Um, and not even necessarily, they're not necessarily all personality, but like preferences and communication Mm -hmm. and 
um, how you're motivated and where you extrapolate your energy and and all that. Like it opens my eyes in a constructive way to better relate to people or build more positive relationships because it allows me to take some good assessments or assumptions or some big bucket areas because like I can't necessarily say I understand your exact experience as an individual and what you're going through right now but I can have a good general idea yeah right it just reminds me how to engage with the rest of the world in a positive way it gives me tools to use to communicate and to relate it makes me sound like very like emotionless and very like clinical. Like I'm like, how do how do relate human beep boop? Like that's not it. Um, it just gives me more confidence, I think, to do those things. Yeah, because the the flip side, well, maybe not the flip side, but a, an alternative, like how I approach things. If I don't know how to relate to somebody, my default is just to not relate to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just to kind of like step back and like not go out of my way to to interact and because it just like it doesn't feel authentic to me then sure and that's not to say that i feel like you're inauthentic it's more that like i think you genuinely want to please everyone like you gen genuinely want to be there for people for everybody um but that there's some legwork involved and for me, like if I don't have that sort of like that intuitive readout for me, mm-hmm. the legwork is just something that I don't put in. Totally. And I think that like so like interesting. Yeah, I, I tend I think I get isolated in multiple ways then. Like people might not reach out to me because subconsciously they can like see that like I'm maybe not going to engage like they would want Mm. you know yeah sure yeah for me it's very interesting i think the thing that i want more than anything is for somebody to authentically engage with me yeah that it's not necessarily a two-way street yeah um i think that those moments those like electric like something clicks and i connect with somebody intuitively Mm -hmm. that is rarer yeah but I want to be a safe space. Yeah. And I and I thrive on people connecting with me and sharing their stories and having that information mm-hmm. um, so that I'm able to provide them with a more personable, um, catered experience so that I have those talking points to make those people feel supported and connected with and, and loved. And I and sometimes like I it isn't it isn't worth the work like or it I don't feel inspired to do the work is probably a better way to say it that like I'm not getting anything from this. You're not getting anything from this or I'm tired and I don't want to do the legwork right now because I'm introverted and I need to go home and be alone, please, to recharge. But yeah. I have been lucky enough in my life to have been presented with a number of circumstances where I feel like I have those light bulb moments about myself without reading up on my own personality type. Mm-hmm. And for me, the challenge is how do I how do I provide that same space for other people mm-hmm. um, or how can I help facilitate that? 
So I guess like a follow up question I have for you then is it seems like it's rather complicated, but how much do you love being an INFJ? The reason I ask that is because you seem pretty intrigued by, inspired by that assessment and that material of like understanding and relating to yourself. Mm-hmm. But it but it seems like it's a part of you that feels like it isolates you. That's a, it is a really complicated question. Um, I think like by and large, if we're just going like high level, mm-hmm. I really love being an INFJ. I, I think it's something that feels um, it feels sort of special because I think like be, there there is that rarity factor. There's the the I think it, I, don't, I don't know the percentage, but it's like three to four like, percent or something yeah, like that of the world's population small. is an INFJ. And I think especially from my perspective, like younger INFJs can get kind of wrapped up in like, ooh, I'm so special and interesting. And well, I'm so, like, mm-hmm. the world doesn't have enough of me. Um, and that there's- No, that... the world has enough of you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but- I cannot imagine a world dominated by INFJs. We would never get anything done. That's true. And so I think that's a, a, a trap that's easy to fall into. I don't feel that nearly as much as I did when I was first- kind of like exploring this. Mm -hmm. And so I think this is complicated because I don't know how much of like me loving being an INFJ is just because like this is what I know, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. like if I asked you or anybody, like how much do you love being your personality type? You're like, well, fuck, yeah, this is the way that things work. Like this is how I know how to be. And so there's that sort of familiarity that just Mm -hmm. like intrinsically you're like, yes, I love this. Maybe some people are kind of like, I don't really like who I am very much. Like, you know, that's Mm -hmm. and that's. But I do think that people, generally speaking, as social animals, like that sense of belonging. Yeah. And and so that's where I think the reason why I do like it so much is that. It does like knowing that gives me so much more information about myself that I didn't have before, like I was talking about before. But then there are things that like there are sort of these stereotypical qualities that make up the INFJ personality that very closely align with what I see as like the ideal Mm. as I think, I I think that makes sense because of course, because the things that I value align with the stereotypical INFJ personality, Mm -hmm. like of course I'm going to like those, but there are things that, so there are things that are important to me, like empathy and being able to uh, sort of like think of creative solutions, like think like that sort of like out of the box thinking and being very like good with words when it comes to writing. <laughs> like, <laughs> I I wish I was as articulate and eloquent and I wish I could think on my feet with how I want to communicate verbally as I can in writing like I, I'm so much better at coming up with thoughtful things to say when I'm writing and so I tend to gravitate towards that I say ironically 
as, you as podcast. I am podcasting yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> and that I'm con- continuously drawn to this medium uh, mm-hmm. as a, both a listener and as a, somebody who hosts yeah. and produces a these. creator. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I do love it. I, I love having that sort of abstract view of the world. I really like the intuition that I have in situations and assessing people. I love that I have this sort of interesting balance between wanting to be like sort of this extroverted entertainer mm-hmm. and being really good at public speaking and and feeling like I tell compelling stories and keep people engaged and that they really like listening to me talk, which sounds super self-absorbed. <laughs> But at the same time, like, I really love knowing that I need my alone time and that I value or like I I value that and I, I put emphasis on it mm-hmm. and that I'm willing to, like, go out there and, and say, like, no, I can't do this. Like, I need I need to recharge. I need to recharge. And so, like, there's a, an aspect to INFJs where I feel like we are um, we tend to be far more deliberate in our isolation we're kind of like cats you know and you've you've said this to me so many times like you are a cat that i am a cat where it's like i will interact with you and come like with the general you not you specifically katie but like i will interact and and do what i want when i want to Mm -hmm. and that's kind of like my baseline and that's just something that really appeals to me um yeah. So I, I I really I do enjoy it. I think the INFJ way of going about things is fascinating and also frustrating. Like I I frequently get frustrated with myself with how how much I struggle um in certain ways. Like one thing that I'm constantly jealous of is uh are, are like people who can just come up with answers on the fly and have like these really thoughtful articulate responses or an idea of exactly how things should go. I think about you in mm. this situation where somebody asks you a question of like how are we going to do this or like how are we going to like get this space ready for an event or whatever and you're just kind of like boom 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 like placing all of these things in your mind like you can clearly see the best like most efficient workflow for this. Or at the very least, you're willing to just commit to something right away where I'm just kind of like, give me 15 days to think about this and I will come back with what I think is the best solution. (laughs) And they're like, that's great, but we need an answer two minutes ago. (laughs) And I just don't do that. But I do find myself kind of like latching on to people. And like I find myself getting really close to people who can do that. I think about you. uh, I think about my friend Charles. I think about my friend Alexia. Like, the people that I'm closest to tend to have that sort of behavior where you just have decision needs to be made. You have that practical decision making quality. And so I guess I, I love what I bring to the table. Yeah. Um, But I also really appreciate the, the flip side. So it's not just like INFJs are so special and interesting. I like that I can see other people's qualities. I wonder if that's a result of being a, Belonging to a personality type that is not as common is that perhaps 
as a result, generally speaking, you have to be able to embrace difference a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that, like, you know, I, th- I see it all the time, especially on social media, as people get stuck in these echo chambers. Yeah. And they're not able to really appreciate, or it's a challenge to appreciate diverse perspectives and thought. And something that I see in you is that, like, you celebrate when you find other INFJs just because there's that intuitive understanding. Mm -hmm. But the closest people in your life are different. Yeah. Um, Whereas I think it can probably be a little bit easier for more common personality types to gravitate toward one another because there's that reassurance and that connection and the I don't have to explain myself and we just get along and we are on the same page. Yeah. Like extroverted people tend to gravitate towards other extroverted people. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting, though, because I think I think about the number one extroverted person in my life, my my former roommate, Katie. Yes, her name is Katie. Um, and she, she certainly, I think has some introverted tendencies from time to time where she does really value downtime, her time, all that good stuff. But like, I would say she is one of those people where there is a, there is often a, when I'm connecting with people, when I'm engaging with people, when I'm being social, I feel alive and energized and good. But I look at her closest friends. I look at me, I look at our other former roommate, Elizabeth, I look at our very dear friend, Luna, and we are all incredibly introverted people. Yeah. And she just does such a great job of engaging with us. And she, and like we, you know, she's a person, I'm, I'm like this too, processing stuff out loud and kind of telling stories to kind of un- better understand what, ha- what just happened or how do I respond or how do I re-engage. Um, and I think as introverts, we do a really good job of embracing that and saying like, yes, you need to process out loud, process with us. That's good. Um, but she also does a really good job of understanding that if you need to process out loud, but I can't fully engage with you, that's okay. Yeah. She like really embraces those introverted qualities about us and, and is never upset or offended if I say, I really just need to be quiet and alone right now. Sure. Um, so I think, but I do think that stereotypically speaking, it's not uncommon for extroverted people to have a lot of extroverted people in their life. Well, and I think I should clarify that, especially as you're kind of like hashing this out, that I think it's just a, a natural byproduct of the fact that like extroverted people need to recharge by that being extroversion, extroverted. like yeah. that, yeah, like being with other people. And so the you know, somebody who's naturally inclined to going to a party to feel that sort of like that energy uh, from that social situation is going to run into other people who also feel that. Sure. Whereas introverted people are going to recharge with their own alone time. You're not, gonna, <laughs> you're not, you're not getting gonna run that into way. other people that way. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's a sort of a rare quality that I ever feel energized or it's rare that I ever feel energized by somebody's uh, by somebody's presence. Mm. And that's where. That's where, like, I, f- I think of, like, my closest friends. Sure. The, the, like, my closest friends are the people that I still feel 
energized by their their presence rather than drained and by, by it. being social by being social with them. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, there's a reason why you and I clicked so early on, mm-hmm. and it was it was because we could hang out for hours and hours and hours, and it would it would never feel like I've had too much. Yeah, like I wouldn't feel depleted. Right. Um, and so that's a, a very special thing. Like, mm-hmm. it, and that's where I think I probably put the most value. Yeah. It's interesting to me that introversion and extroversion tend to dominate the conversation. They're the things that I think are most commonly discussed, not necessarily understood, but discussed because people are surprised when either of us say that we are introverted. Mm -hmm. And it's because introversion, I think, has been labeled as this thing where it's like you are awkward and you don't like to engage with people and social being social or talkative is the enemy. You're quiet and private. And that's not it. It's there's a difference between social anxiety and introversion. Correct. Correct. (laughs) I am am both. (laughs) Yes. And there are plenty of extroverted people who are socially anxious. Um. Which is, I mean, a, a challenge um, because you need energy from other people, but other people bring you anxiety. Yeah. I think it's easy to focus, put the immediate focus on the two biggest disparities, like or the visual disparities mm-hmm. where somebody's kind of like going to go off and do their own thing by their by themselves right. or go out to a party. Like that, right. that's a, a pretty big social disparity. Um, and so I think it's easy for people to latch on to that. Mm-hmm. And like that's a a trap that you can fall into though because there are three other letters there there are different combinations that mm-hmm. may put you at odds with other people right yeah the n intuition s sensing thinking feeling tnf p and j perceiving and judging yeah um and so there's a lot of nuance there and i am by no means like an expert like there's like introverted intuition and extroverted sensing like there's all of these different things and like yep. how they dominate your personality makeup there's so much to learn here but the more i get into it it's not a bible for me but it is a guide sometimes yeah Yeah, i don't know i think uh i'm glad that you were able to give yourself that honest assessment Mm -hmm. and find that sense of belonging find that sense of understanding of yourself and feeling understood by others and not even because I'm learning about you and so I'm flexing to understand you, but that intuitive understanding of other people who identify or who fall into this personality type. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so let me turn the question around to you then. Sure. How much do you love being an ISF- ISFJ? Sure. There is a lot about being an ISFJ that I like quite a bit. I think that there is, in any kind of personality assessment, I think that the description of those things tries to skew towards the positive. Like, here are the things about you that set you apart. Here are the things about you that make you special. Um, Really good assessments will get into these are the things that you probably struggle with or these Mm -hmm. are the things that hinder you. And so, like, the selling point of being an ISFJ is that you are a caregiver. Mm-hmm. You provide care. And that is something that I that I do see in myself. It's something that throughout my life I've had to try to figure out the healthy boundary of that. Um, and I have and I have 180 a few times 
where it's like my entire sense of identity is based off of the care that I provide, the services that I give, um, and that I am, to just be honest, like there, there have certainly been times in my life where like the only way that I perceive my own value is if people utilize me. Yeah. And I was just having a conversation with another friend of mine who's an INFJ. She's putting together all of these. She's trying to put together all of these events to have people, uh, to host people in her home. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I want to have a movie night and a board game night. And I want to have uh, a book club and I want to do all, and I want to have a soup party and, you know, all this <laughs> stuff. And I just had to ask her, I was like, why is, why do you have to have an activity? Isn't being with you enough? Just being with you. And that is a question that I asked her because it's a question I've been pushed to ask myself mm-hmm. is I am not the fact that I'm willing to pick you up at all hours of the night from wherever you are if you need help, that I am not somebody who just is the default person to come into the office to take care of something at six in the morning on a Saturday, that that there that I can be enough. And I think that that's a downfall of my type is that I tend to boil myself down to the acts of service that I can provide. Mm -hmm. However, I do love that that work is worthwhile to me. Yeah. That I do find joy and satisfaction in being the person who will go the extra mile. And that I can see that I am willing and able to try harder than some people may be inclined to do themselves. And that I, as a result, can, in my better moments, be a reliable resource for people. Um, Like I said earlier, being a safe space, being a place where people can authentically be themselves without judgment, where you can share probably pretty much anything with me, your deepest, darkest secrets. And I am still going to be inspired to view your humanity and that doesn't mean that i'm not going to call you out if i think that you're being like a bigoted awful dipshit but i'm going to i'm not going to assume malice yeah um i think a lesson that like i have been involved in the arts my whole life performing and singing and i remember in college like being in um, theatrical productions and frequently being cast as a person who wasn't viewed in like an idyllic light, an idyllic light. So being a quote unquote bad guy. So for example, I was cast in a production of Rogers and Hammerstein Cinderella as the evil stepmother in college. And I think it is so easy to just be like, and she's just a bad person who's selfish and ugly and awful. Mm-hmm. And I have such a hard time with that. Yeah. Because I don't, I firmly, I firmly believe that there is no one who is supported and stable and happy who just gets up in the morning and is just like, I know that this is bad, but I'm going to do it anyway because I like being bad. Like yeah. that just doesn't exist in my world. Yeah. There, everybody, everybody, everybody operates from a place of, I think this is the best thing to do. Yeah. I operate from a place of love and that can turn bad real fast. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't always mean that it is the honest right choice. But I think that something about being an ISFJ that I appreciate about 
myself or my personality type is that desire to try and see the humanity behind every decision. Yeah. And that's something that I really appreciate about you. Like that's because we're very closely aligned there. I think we both tend to live in shades of gray Mm -hmm. um, and recognize that like just because somebody does a shitty thing doesn't mean that they are a shitty person. Like it doesn't Mm -hmm. like I have such a difficult time with a lot of the sort of mentality of social media nowadays where there's like knee jerk reactions, hot takes. Somebody does something bad and they're labeled bad for the rest of their life. Right. The dog piling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That to me is awful. And I think about like when I used to write more, especially fiction, like there would always be some sort of antagonist, of course. Like good stories have protagonists and antagonists. There has to be conflict. Yeah. Yeah. But that my antagonists are always somebody that I could see, like, I get it. Yeah. I understand your perspective. And I'm always drawn to stories that have characters like antiheroes where it's just kind mm-hmm. of like, I understand where you're coming from. There's sure. humanity in the decisions that you've made. It might not be my decision. Yeah. I might not necessarily have done that, but I can understand why you did this. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. I think that I also really, I do like that um, I am a detail-oriented person that like I after practice and exposure kind of have a good understanding of how to go about executing well on things I think um I can be practical to a fault (laughs) sometimes um I think that there's benefit in that I think for me it's I do I do always have to find balance I think that being an ISFJ sometimes, again, like I struggle to understand who I am if I'm not doing something. But the Myers-Briggs like breakdown, that assessment of myself and others, it really does help me see. I think because like you said, like there are only 16 types of personalities in Myers-Briggs, but there's 7 billion people in the world. You could argue that there are 7 billion different personality types, right. but that's too much. Right. And so this uh, this Myers-Briggs gives me some like some some groupings that may not necessarily be set in stone or hard, fast and true all the time because that's not how people work. But it does give me some good guidelines and some basic understandings of how to engage with other people, how to understand how they got to where they are. Yep. I don't know. So it I I can appreciate those positive aspects of myself. I can also say like, oh yeah, that is a pitfall of mine, that is a weakness, that is something that I need to work on, that is something I should be aware of. But it does give me permission to celebrate certain things about myself, which totally. I appreciate. Um I like that you bring that up that there's um or I like that we're coming back to the sort of idea of like there could be 7 billion different personality types and I fully believe that every single person because they're just going that they only have their experiences Correct. and they're like everybody's going to have a different perspective. Everybody is a unique little snowflake. And I say that with the utmost love. Right. Exactly. And whether, you know, far right people want to believe that or not, like mm-hmm. uh, that unique perspective that everybody has is going to kind of color every single situation. But being able to identify some of these core ways of seeing things uh is not necessarily a a bad thing i sometimes see like myers-briggs uh get compared to uh 
astrology or mm. um like a bad buzzfeed quiz like i i read that like it's like you know which it could effectively be like which uh which house are you in harry potter <laughs> you know right sure and i think that's a i think it's overly simplifying things a little bit because i think there's that's true if somebody goes i'm taking this quiz this is my personality type and this is how i'm going to act always this is me now right. all the time and now my entire identity is being this mm-hmm. i think if it helps you look at how your processing and mm-hmm. how you recharge and how you interact with people and how like that's all helpful but if you're falling into this trap of this is who i am i'm never going to break out of this mm-hmm. that's where it is yeah it's a a dumb bad buzzfeed quiz sure. but i i think that there's some benefit in seeing the similarities in how people approach mm-hmm. different situations absolutely and I think it's also one of those things where, like, for me, I th- when I feel like I have this, like, there's just this blockade <laughs> relating to somebody being like, why, why do I just, I misunderstand you? I don't understand your motivations. Like, what is happening here? Yeah. When I take certain, when I can, if I can assess that person's personality or if they are somebody who believes in this and they can share that with me. And be like, oh, we're just like approaching. We're just approaching this problem from two very different perspectives. Yep. We have two different sets of standards for what is ideal here, yep. and and that it for me, it's just it's really it's it's best when it's utilized as a tool to better help you relate to yourself and other people. Yep. And just as general guidelines, not hard and fast rules. Exactly. So, um. Yeah, I I think you might ask yourself, like, this was a pretty analytical, heavier conversation. It's not light and fluffy. But for me, the reason why I thought this was an interesting topic to bring up was because it is something that I've seen you use to relate better to yourself and other people. Mm -hmm. It is something that bridges gaps rather than putting in divides. It's something that helps you celebrate yourself. Yeah. Because you as a person on a planet of 7 billion people are undeniably unique and special and different. But this also gives you less of a feeling of isolation. Mm-hmm. It gives you like a tribe of sorts in, in this particular way and helps you see that the way that you see the world, the way that you process information, the way that you relate to other people and your environment and your environment is not so foreign that it's bad. Yeah. That it's a good thing. Yeah. And so I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me about our very basic understanding of Myers-Briggs. Yeah. And your love for who you are. Yeah. I, this makes me excited to see where this show goes. Because I think if we're starting at the baseline of what brings us joy mm-hmm. or wanting to spread that joy to other people, not discounting the fact that like some of the things that bring us joy also bring a lot of complication. Yeah. It's not all just, you know, bubbles. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's not all just, you know, uh silly fluffy stuff. Like there are th- complex emotions that revolve around the things that make us happy. Mm-hmm. Um and so I think this yeah, was a, a little bit 
more analytical and maybe a little bit more serious and not as like, oh, we're just gonna blah blah blah, like you know, video games and podcasts. And, yeah, and, like yeah. like, mm-hmm. and I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Uh, so it makes me really interested to see, like, you know, I'm I'm not opposed to having sort of the the candy episodes, sure, but as long as we're continually coming at this of like, what's the thing that you really enjoy? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about all aspects of it yeah it's fascinating to me and i, I think it makes for a really engaging and fun conversation i hope yeah i, I think hope. so <laughs> yeah. i hope dear I hope listener that, i hope that somebody's listening to this right now and they're like oh god so bored can't um, believe that i've sat through an hour and something yeah seriously this. if you're still here we love and you. you don't and you don't like this i don't know what you're you're doing <laughs> sorry um but uh, yeah. we appreciate your time yeah and <laughs> Thank i appreciate you. you seeing it through you are truly good at committing to whatever it is you do um with your time congratulations uh but yeah i agree i think that for me this yes we call it a recurring positivity podcast and i think that that's true but i don't think that positivity is just surface level I think yeah. that there has to be joy in understanding in something difficult and coming out the other side with a refreshed perspective. And yeah, I think that joy is more nuanced than just sheer unbridled happiness. Yep. I think this is a really good question. Thank you for asking it. Yeah. Thanks for talking with me about and it. And being willing to discuss a, a probably a, a more complex and difficult topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a good introduction to like who we are and how we process information. Yeah. You know, how we engage with each other, what makes us tick. Yeah. Why we do what we do. I agree. Mm-hmm. I'm into so, it. I appreciate you doing that deep dive with me. Yeah. Well, I think we have enough for an episode. Uh, yeah, I think so too. Gonna let people off the hook now. Okay. <laughs> I think that's a good idea. Get on with your lives, people. Enjoy your day. Yeah, have a good one. See ya. Bye. Special thanks to Jackson Davis, whose song, Same As You Wanted, is our intro and outro music. Check out his EP, 701, anywhere you listen to music. You can get in touch with us through our website, thismuchlove.com, and via Twitter, at thismuchlove. Our DMs are open. Tell us about something you love. So is is that it? Is that the show?